We've been talking about the dry season, and these are the reasons why you can enter a dry season. Lack of uh, word time and prayer time. God is tested in strengthening your character. You know, lack of word time. What, what, what the Bible is to your spirit is what food is to your physical body. What prayer time, particularly praying in tongues, is to your spirit is what water is to your uh, physical body. You can be in the wilderness because God is testing and strengthening your character. Uh, the more you have a, of a rebellious and prideful streak in you, the more the Lord will throw you in situations so you can humble yourself. Sinful lifestyle, that's automatically dry place. Things other people have done to you, people you have a relationship with, you can be connected to someone, and because it is not the will of God for you to be connected to them, you become dry because they are dry. Okay, well, they, they messed up, so you become messed up. The Bible says a bad company corrupts good morals. So a lot of people in jail right now simply because they went to the club with the wrong person. Let me rephrase that. Y'all know what I'm saying. Ain't no such thing as going to the club with the right person. Let me just get off of that. People you have relationships with, the city you are living in, it can be, let me tell you this, it's, uh, it, can be, it can be dry for you because you're in the wrong city. Um, God told you to go right and you went left dealing with crazy people all the time, particularly in the area of careers. Laziness can cause you to be dry because laziness promotes more laziness. Diligence promotes more diligence. Um, not getting involved in your church or community or, or community can cause you to be in a dry place because one of the things teach sessions I'm going to go over is you are called to serve. Your whole life is about service. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I mean, no, the son of God got the right to be served. He said, I didn't come to be served. He said, I came to serve mankind. And so when you serve others, you didn't have, when you serve others, you bring fruitfulness to their life. You water their garden. And the scripture says, that good thing that you do for another, the same shall you receive of the Lord. So if you will not serve others, no one will serve you. <clears throat> not stepping in the new things because of fear. And you have become battle weary. In other words, people who do the right thing for a long time, they can become dry because you've been doing the right thing for a long time. OK, so Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 7, it says this is right before the children of Israel were getting ready to go into prosperity. God told them, be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you today. Then you will live and multiply and you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. He said, be careful to obey all of them, not just the ones you like. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with supernatural food, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, if you start going down a particular path and you start disobeying God because you are afraid or you have a trust problem, then he will start letting you dry up so that you can learn how to trust him. Hey, um, for, oh, for all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. Walking in his ways, not yours. 
Today, people keep coming up with all of these crazy theories that it's like these side shoots of the gospel. Well, I know the word says this, but I'm going to do this for right now. Okay. It's deep. You can't get away with this at your job. Well, I know y'all want me to come in at nine, but you know what? I, I, I need to drop my baby off, so I'm going to just come in at 930. Guess what they're going to tell you? We didn't go find a job, then you can start at 930. I know I'm supposed to pay, you know, $110 for my emissions, but you know what? Um, all I got is 90. Guess what they're going to say? We'll come back when you got the other 20 then. That's right. Even Burger King is lying. You can't have it your way. I want it free. Well, sir, that's not what we mean. We didn't quit change your slogan then. So we can't get away with this worldly people, and yet the Bible says God never changes, and, and it says not one jot or tittle of his word will pass away. It says heaven and earth will pass away before one jot or tittle of his word pass away. So, you know, be careful when you start getting off track with stuff that's clear in the word, and you start creating your own rationale and why you can do this and why you can do that. No, you're off track. And then when you tell people they're off track, they get flustered. You know why? Because they're blind and they're off track. When you get off track, you're going to get flustered when somebody tells you you're off track. What verse, man? It doesn't matter. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. So obey the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out and valleys and hills. In other words, the Lord wants to bring you into prosperity, but your mentality will determine how fast you get there. Them, it was 40 years. 13 days turned into 40 years because they would not obey God. I don't have time for that. I need a new car tomorrow. I don't need to wait 10 years. Y'all know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right. Last one, Proverbs 128. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they, this is for individuals that just, you decide to go your own way and then you just start doing your own. You know what the sad part is about when you start disobeying? After you do it for a little while, it becomes callous. And you actually forget you're doing it. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, I, they will not find me. Why? Because you hated knowledge and you chose not to fear the Lord. You rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected you. Therefore, you must eat the bitter fruit of living your own way, choking on your own schemes. For simple-minded people turn away from God to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. Okay? So, that's the danger side of the dry place, is that usually go in following your own way, therefore following your own way won't get you out, okay? And so that's the thing that the Lord wants to do. He's trying to get you into um, to your prosperous land, but we take too long. The kingdom of God moves with speed. God is not slow, we are. God is instantaneous. You know, take us 30 years to get one principle, you know what I'm saying? You know, and I used to do that, don't get me wrong. It took me a long time to get a couple of things. But then I was just like, oh, this, and when I saw what changed, when I committed to the thing that I was fighting against, I said, oh, no, I'm not going to be one of them individuals that you care to tell the same thing over and over again. I'm very quick to repent. Now, I get off track like other people, but when you tell me I'm off track, I get back on track. I don't sit up there and wait. Well, you know, I'm just going to think about this a little while. Watch this. I'm going to pray. <laughs> Anytime you're disobedient to something in the word and then you go pray about it, you invite Lucifer into your living room. Okay, so, so, you know, for these last few minutes here, I'm just going to uh, um, 
share with you the, the new direction that we're going into um, because people these days, and even old days, practically know nothing about heaven, hell, the, the spiritual realm, or the world of spirit, some people say. Hardly know anything about that. Um, and yet, when you become a Christian, that's the only thing that you're supposed to be seeking after. So I'm just going to kind of open this up a little bit. Um, let, me say that, let me say this. Uh, well, my wife has always said this. This is, a this is a church for people that want God, not for people that want church. People who just want church services, this place is a turnoff to them. Because this place makes you, it makes you get yourself together. You know, now we don't do it with no arrogant, you know, I mean, no, I mean, um, I mean I'm amazed at how people are so blown away at the fact that I tell people when I make mistakes, you know, but that's called humility, you know what I'm saying? It's supposed to be examples to the flock. If I act like I'm perfect, then you're going to feel like you're bad when you make a mistake. I can guarantee I've made a whole bunch of mistakes. It's cool because God doesn't bring a lot of mistakes to my attention because mistakes have a way of playing. Any of you ever did something wrong and you didn't know it until, until you did something right? You're like, wait a minute, this is how this works? You know what I'm saying? And you're like, I've been doing this wrong all the time. Yeah, well, God knows that. And so, because God doesn't want you to feel bad. And so, and so there are things that you are doing that if you are eventually going to find out on your own that it is incorrect, God won't say anything. He'll just let you keep on going. But it's the things that will destroy you that God will convict you about. Okay. Because the Bible says that God does not want any person to perish. Okay? So Proverbs 25, 2, it says, it is God's privilege to conceal things. It is the king's privilege to discover them. So, so always remember this. God does not hide things from you. He, hide thing, he hides things for you. With God, your whole Christian life is a great big old Easter egg hunt. When it comes to the Easter egg hunts, they, they hide the eggs in such a way where if you're lazy, you can't find it. But if you're diligent, you'll start finding stuff. Well, that's how it is when it comes to seeking God. Is that is, is that, is that there are things, because the Bible says, you must be counted worthy for the things of eternity. And God is a God that wants to be sought after. He wants to be chased after. So as a result of that, he will hide blessings and revelation and advancement and promotion and insight and experiences only for those who seek him. People think I'm all deep and everything. I know I'm, I have a certain level of deepness, but it's not because I'm a preacher, because most preachers are not deep. I have a certain level of deepness because my wife will tell you I seek the Lord all the time. Now, there have been seasons in my life when I didn't. I was caught up in Krispy Kremes and television and movies and stuff like that. You know, but you go through them seasons. You know, even the most diligent people who work out will tell you, man, sometimes, you know, man, how many, any of you ever just picked up the Bible? And as soon as you read it, you're like, I can't even do this today, Jesus. I'm just, I just hope you're not mad at me. I just can't even do it today. You know, it's, God ain't mad at that. It's just human nature. You don't feel like doing stuff sometimes. You know, it's not a mark against your soul. You know, you stand before the Lord. Hey, you remember that day back in 1922? And December 31st at 5 p.m. when you picked up the word and said you couldn't even do it. We don't appreciate that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Religion teaches you that foolishness, though. Okay? So it's God's privilege to conceal the thing. It's the king's privilege to discover it. Your whole life is supposed to be not you just coming to church. It's supposed to be you seeking God on a regular basis. He will, there's nothing he will reveal to a preacher he won't reveal to you. There's nothing he will reveal to a prophet that he won't reveal to you. The Bible is written to sons and daughters, not to preachers. I got to keep saying that, and I wish I didn't have to say that, but there are so many people. Y'all remember what I read Wednesday. If you didn't, you need to go back and read that. We read like four, four verses. No, these, these are like chapters, 
where Jesus was going off on the preachers. He was going off. <laughs> I want to read it again. It was just so he was going off. I mean, because I remember, I mean, so that has not changed. Jesus is still mad at these preachers. Okay? Because his thing is, see, let me tell you the arrogance that you can walk in as a leader. First of all, this is not mine. The Lord asked me to manage it. How do you manage something for someone that is perfect and you're not? How do you manage something for somebody that's always keeping it 100? And you're trying to get 10% this morning. Okay, You know what I'm saying? How do you manage something for somebody that knows what this church is going to be like in 30 years? I don't know what's going to happen in the next 30 minutes. So to take that from him and then manage it with my own style and turn it into some type of scheme by which I control people. Y'all know what I'm saying? To make a name for myself so I can have a Rolls Royce and an airplane. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that if you do it correctly. I'm just saying, but that's, that's the problem is that, you know, I don't need to tell y'all what the problem is. Y'all already know what the problem is. Let's just keep on going. First Chronicles 16:11, Amplified Version. Seek the Lord and his strength. Yearn for and seek his face and to be in his presence. How long? How long? This is, what some, this is how some people read this. Seek the Lord by going to church. And when it comes to his strength, ask somebody to pray for you. And be in his presence continually on Sunday morning during the service. And then the rest of the days are for you. Went to high school with a girl. I never will forget that girl said, I will not mention her name so bad, but I think she's listening. I never forget what her and her friend says. She said, yes, Sunday morning is for the Lord and the other six days are for us. I just looked at her. In the words of the rapper. Okay. All righty then. Okay. So seek the Lord in his strength. Yearn for and seek his face and to be in his presence continually. I'm going to give you five or six bullet points right quick to show you how to do that. If you just tell somebody, seek the Lord, how? What does that mean? How do I do that? Number one, study of the word. 2 Timothy 2.15. This is how you seek the Lord. It says, the King James Version, study to show yourself approved unto God, not men. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So you have to stay in the word to make sure that God is approving of you. Because if you stay in the word, you'll see all type of stuff, you know, that you're not doing. And the areas that you're not doing, that's the area that God is not approving of. So you have to make adjustments. I was, I was preaching Wednesday. It's a trip when I read a scripture and I get convicted that the scripture that I'm teaching y'all. I was reading that scripture. Remember what Jesus said? He said, woe be to you, shepherds. He said, because you have not tended to the lost sheep. They left and you didn't go after them. I'm reading this and the Holy Spirit is bringing to my attention. Uh, you're moving too slow with that person I told you to go after. And so I'm like, see, God did not approve of that. Does it mean he hates me? No, the Bible says God chastises this deep part. If God don't say nothing to you, it's because he, don't, he ain't thinking about you. Y'all twisted. The Bible says God only chastises those that he loves. So if he's constantly chastising you, it's because he's loving you. But the Bible says that those that are doing their own thing, it says those are the individual that says God lightly esteems them. Walk past you at the grocery store and he don't speak. I got to break it down in simple terms. 
My wife cracked me up laughing at me. Okay, study your, so that's the first way you seek the Lord, is by spending time in his word. I talked about Wednesday, the Bible is a living document. When you read it, a portal opens up and stuff goes into your spirit and it enlightens your eyes. Second way is through prayer, particularly praying in tongues. If you don't pray in tongues, just ask us about that. We can have somebody pray with you in the back room, you'll instantly receive it. Okay, but prayer, 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. How many know heaven is a mysterious place? Angels, how many know your life is mysterious? You can't never figure out what's going on. You know what I'm saying? This is all mysteries. But the scripture says that when you pray in tongues, it says three things, minimum. It says you are building yourself up, making yourself stronger. You're building yourself up into the image of God. When you're praying in tongues, you're speaking the answers to the mysterious things that you're seeking after. You're also praying the perfect will of God. When you pray in tongues, the longer you do it, you're literally, pay how many of you say, now that when you pray in tongues in the morning, if you do it for about 45 minutes to an hour, how many of you will agree that your day goes completely different? It goes really smooth. You know why? Because praying in tongues is creating a different road than the road you were going to go down before you prayed. That's the reason why it's, it's, it's smoother, okay? So praying in tongues is how you seek the Lord. And as a result of you doing these things, just the first two, has any of you ever had a conversation with someone and you sent them a text and they didn't respond right then? And they responded later on when you were on another phone call? Well, that's how it is with the kingdom of God. When you send out a question and you pray, you spend time in the word, they don't respond on your timetable. They respond to you at the least. I was talking to Jade a couple days ago. I was talking to Jade a couple days ago about business. And she can testify to this. I'm talking to her. And while I'm talking to her about business, the Lord drops a word on me for the people in business at Lionheart Church. It's a huge warning. It's a huge warning because of where he's taking them. So I got to figure out when he wants me to get that word. But it was, uh, I was like, good God. So, cool, Jesus, we about to, mm. So prayer. So, and, and, and so the Lord will speak to you on his terms because they want to teach you. you I'm going to leave that alone. What, I mean, God, God is multifaceted. So he doesn't just, he never does one thing. He'll do one thing for you, and it'll, five, it'll affect five other people who are answering God for an issue. And so one of the things that God does is he will speak to you in noise. So you so you praying, you didn't pray for four hours straight in tongues like I used to do. You're sitting there. <laughs> and they probably been having like. Okay, but then I would notice that then God would speak to me when I would be working out, riding my bicycle, speak to me while I'm watching television, just while I'm at work. And he just interrupts you because the Lord needs you to learn how to hear his voice in noise. Because he needs to be able to direct you in and out of anything at any given moment. When you up in Wells Fargo and they robbing the bank, that ain't the time for you to be like. <laughs> no, you need to be able to hear from God. You pull up in front of the bank and the Lord says, sit in the car for five minutes. You need to be able to hear from God like that because God ain't religious. I don't know this. You know. Let, me, let me tell you something. I said this Sunday. 
When you become a Christian, God changes your character, not your personality. So if you were a dork before you got saved, you're going to be a dork after you got saved. Okay, if you had a cool walk before you got saved, you're going to have a cool walk after you got saved. If you dress fly before you got saved, you're going to dress fly after you got saved. If you were wearing a high water pants before you got saved, you're going to be wearing high water pants after you got saved. God changes your character, not your personality. Now, sometimes your personality will change over time, you know, as you spend a lot of time with God. My wife will tell you that I have changed drastically. Um... I don't know what that extra yes meant. Okay, so so just remember that. And so God talks to you in your language and you can miss God talking to you because he talks like you talk. Okay, if you're more of an educated person and you have proper sentence structure and you use you y'all all that stuff that I'm working on, he will speak to you on that way. I can actually talk well when I want to. I just whatever. I just choose not to for some reason. I got to get better at that. If you talk ghetto, God will speak to you ghetto. If you use a lot of Ebonics or a lot of slang terms, God will use slang terms with you. Because we are the ones that created all of these languages, not God. In heaven, they don't speak any of these languages, including Hebrew. They have their own language in heaven. So God speaks to you according to how you talk. God uses example again. Kenneth Copeland said, Kenneth Copeland, he's a minister, but he's a country man. Live in the country. And so the Lord told him one time, son, if I send you a cow with some money in his mouth, have enough sense to milk the cow. I mean, that's how country people talk. OK. And so he knew exactly what that meant. You, you got to analyze this for a second. OK. Why is it a cow with some money? What does it got to do with milking? God was trying to tell him, son, get the most out of everything that I give you. See, look at a situation and get the most out of it. OK. But I got another friend. The Lord told him to go left. He went right, and the Holy Spirit said, see, now you're on the shame show. Because that's how he talks. See? So I'm just giving you a lesson in regards to, because trust me, with this whole way that we're going, I'm, I'm shifting out. We just went from one level to the next. We're at the beginning of the next level. And I'm shifting out of all of this stuff and all of this rhetoric that's just not in the Bible. And y'all see how Jesus talked. It was insane how Jesus talked. He was just tripped. All right, third way is through meditation. Psalm 119, 97 through 100. Oh, how... Wait a minute. Oh, how. Yeah, it says it. That didn't seem correct. Seems like it said it should say, oh, how I love your law. But it says, oh, how love I thy law. See, that's that King James. We don't talk like that. I use the King James reference for a second. Um, the King James Version, by the way, I don't know why I'm going detail. King James Version of the Bible was translated from the original Hebrew and Greek. That's how they talked in the 1600s. So it was the King James Bible is just simply King James had the Bible converted to the language they spoke in that day. That's why it's called the King James Bible. Well, I now use the New Living Translation because we have more of a modern, simplified talk. So, yeah, King James can throw you off. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation. How long? All the day. Through thy commandments, you have made me wiser than my enemies. For they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers because your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than even the ancients because I keep your precepts. 
Okay, so you spend this is how you seek the Lord. You spend time in the word. You spend time in prayer. And then all day long, you should be thinking about what the word says. You should be visualizing certain things. You'll be trying to figure out and analyze certain things. And, and what does this mean? And the scripture says, as you do that, it says you'll become wiser than everybody, including the folk that taught you. Fourth one, focus. Second Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. We don't believe that, though. I mean, no, your problem seems really big. It's because you're seeing it as you are, not as it is. <laughs> Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Whatever you're going through right now is producing something for your other side. And the longer you can stay in it, okay, we, we, we get so offended, and sometimes rightly so, when people do us wrong. But every time somebody does you wrong, every time you're going through something because of somebody else, God says, mm-hmm. And if every every second that goes by, something is stacking up for you for the other side, stacking up, stacking up, stacking up, stacking up. That's why the Bible says it says it says, blessed are you when men talk about you and persecute you. What did it say to do? It says shout, run and leap for joy, because what great is your reward in heaven? In other words, they say you need to start shouting and jumping and running and acting a fool now, because when you get up there, that's exactly what you're going to do. How I many know when the Lord tells you to shout? Man, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If the Lord got a package for you behind his back and he said you might want to jump now, uh, uh, I mean, no, you better jump because what God has for you ain't at your level. It's at his level. Y'all know what I'm saying? So stop being worried about people talking about you because you're a Christian and you're trying to do the right thing and, and the brother's saying that you lame and all that type of stuff. Let me tell you something. Where my mindset is at, every man in this planet could call me a punk or a sissy. I don't mean that in a derogatory term. I mean in a slang term. They could call me a punk or a sissy and I'm like, keep talking. So you're going to have to, you're going to need more men to convince me. And no matter how many you get, it will not be enough. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we focus our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. How can you look at what cannot be seen? Because if you keep looking at it, they will reveal to you what you can't see. We got folk focused. You know what I say? I told you when I'm, whenever I'm rebuking all of the reverends, I put myself in the bunch. We got folk focused on coming to church, not trying to figure out what's in heaven. All right. Next one. Books. Second Timothy 413. This is Paul. Paul was a very anointed man in scripture, got to his destiny early, said he prayed in tongues more than everybody. The man got bit by a snake and didn't even pray. He said, when you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus and Troas. Also bring my books and especially my papers. Paul was a reader of books. OK, this is another way that you seek the Lord is through the revelations of other men. The revelation of any man, know how deep he says he is. The revelation of any man is just one small revelation. OK. And, and that revelation is only part of a greater fool of revelation. You know what I'm saying? One of the reasons why I have advanced so quickly is because I was standing on the shoulders of other men's revelations. I took what they taught, studied it more, and got more revelation. If you take what I taught and then study it more, the God will give you more revelation than a guy got. Last one, and then we'll finish with the second half. Worship. First Chronicles 1629, King James Version. Give this is the definition of worship. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. 
bring an offering and come before him, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So when you obey God with tithes and offerings, that's worship. And when you live holy, that's worship. You are worshiping the Lord more when you live holy than if you come to an altar and get on your knees. So living right and doing right is holiness. Romans 12.1, NASB version. I, I switched between, uh, not only to share that. If you have a question, just ask me why I switched between translations. See, I done put myself out there now, Lord. <laughs> the original Bible is written in Hebrew and Greek. It's the most expressive, they are the most expressive languages in the planet. So, like, for example, the word we use for love, in Hebrew, it uses four different words. We use love the same way. I love my church. I love my wife. I love my dog. I love pizza. I love Krispy Kremes. <laughs> I love going on vacation, all of those things. We use love for the same thing. But in the Hebrew, it uses four different words. So one word is phileo, which is that's the word you would use. If, I, if you have a friend, you would say, I phileo my friend. Okay? I love my friend. That's the... Is it the Hebrew word or the Greek word? It's the Greek word. See, that's why they want to go into this. Okay, so it's the one of the words for love. Let's put it that way, for a friend. Eros, where they get the word erotica from, is the word for, that they use for sexual type of love. When I say I like having sex with my wife, you would use the word eros. Agape is the one we all try on every day. That's the God type of love. The ability to love people when they do you wrong and they cheat you out your money and they cut you off in traffic and your husband getting on your nerve and your wife getting on your nerve and the kids getting on your nerve and the goldfish getting on your nerve. Yeah, all that. Okay. That's the agape love. So the difference, because, and so when, when men translate, the Bible is accurate in the other translations, but when they translate it from the original, sometimes they got to pick which word they would use. Because sometimes the Hebrew might give six words for one definition. And they got to figure out, okay, all of them kind of are synonyms, but which one do we pick? And so sometimes one verse does a better job of the other. Y'all follow me with that? Good, I got you. Education, education today. Where I'm at. Romans 12, 1, NASB. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So you sacrifice them for God, living for God, doing what is right, being willing, willing to advance his agenda in the earth. This is all service of worship. Hey, before I was a preacher, I was there first and I was le and I left last. I didn't care what they asked me to do. It was a 5,000-seat sanctuary, and they could put me way in the back by a door all by myself. I didn't care because I knew the Lord was recording me on a machine. If you're going to do anything for anybody, most people do everything more for everything else except for the Lord. And then you wonder why you're struggling with everything else. Revelations 4, 8 through 11. Each of these living beings we're talking about in heaven. I'm going to go slow. Each of these living beings, this is talking about, these are multifunctional bodyguards at God's throne. <laughs> Each of these living beings had six wings and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is and who is still to come. Um, not, and just a little side note, chicken nugget, as they say, free. Um, um, these beings Talk about has all of these eyes on the inside and the outside. Um, Y'all remember that scripture that says that the eyes of the Lord 
It's talking about them. The eyes of the Lord search throughout the planet looking for someone who through, through whom which God can show himself strong. It's talking about them dudes. Yeah. They are about, the only way I can explain it is how the Holy Spirit told me yesterday. He said they are the ultimate computers. These are beings that have computing power and singing power. Right now they have computers that every time um, they hear certain word, they analyze every phone call. They're not going to tell you this. They have computers that analyze every phone call. When certain words pop up, it flags it. Computers, supercomputers. They can hear everything at the same time. And so if you say the word terrorist, or if you say attack, or if you say bomb, it instantly flags it to see who is this. Do they need to be investigated? Okay. Well, these beings, they make a computer seem like a rock. They know and see everything. They can see into your cell. They can see into your cellular system. And, and, and the fact that they have wings on the outside and the inside means that they can see everything on the outside and they can see everything on the inside. They can see everything. And they have no limit on their eyesight. They are the eyes of the Lord that go throughout the planet looking. Oh, there's one, Lord. You can use him. Better lift your hands and say, that's going to be me. All right. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down, fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne. The one who lives forever and ever, and they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. So another form of worship is to actually bend on knee, lift your hands, or lay prostrate, and just begin to worship the Lord and tell him how good he is. That's very dangerous because you will begin to attract heavenly things. Doing that comes with some of the greatest experience. I will never forget, I read a book called Good Morning Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. And he talked about how he would just sit and lay and kneel before the Lord. Good Morning Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. Um, and he would just sit there and he talked about, when you see a, a Benny Hinn being able to just sing that song and all of those, I know he blowing people, obviously he wouldn't do that either, but the man is legit. How many believe that you, I mean, you know, how many, how, Honestly, how many believe that you are a legit Christian? I mean, you really do love the Lord. Okay, lift your hands. But how many you know, you got some stuff that we can't stand either. You know what I'm saying? We might not like the way you drive. We might like the, like your hairstyle, you know? Your breath might be dry all the time or something. You know what I'm saying? It's stuff that you just, okay? So because Benny Hinn blowing people, I understand, you know? And so I just wish he wouldn't do that. But, you know, that's what he does. But I, I was there in meetings. And like I've said before, I've seen people that, I always hate to share it, but when you, you see something, it you just, whenever I bring his name up, I just remember them pulling that woman in there on that stretcher. It was like you were in biblical days. And um, pulling that woman there on that stretcher, and it was like her bones were the size of a toothpick. And they had a white sheet over this lady. And I never forget Benny Hinn, and all that 20,000 people, Benny Hinn leaned over and whisper, whispered something in that girl's ear. And they had me down front as one of the main ushers. So I'm down front right at the stage. So I'm looking at this. And that man whispered something in that girl's ear. And I watched that woman's body grow back to life in front of my very eyes. She ain't gonna tell me that man is fake. I was there when he put his hands, you know, he put his hands on that girl and, and the girl levitated right there in front of Benny Hinn. And he smacked her down. And he said, everybody pray, she got seven demons. He cast them out about 10 seconds. He said, one, two, Three, <laughs> that's just coming out. Can't handle all of that power with 20,000. And, and then when the demons were going, the girl just jumped up and started shouting because she was free, started running around. The, everybody was running. Yeah. 
So, but anyway, <laughs> Benny, one of the ways Benny Gann got to that level is because of the long amount of times that he would spend in worship. Okay. The first time that I did that, I did it for about an hour and 15 minutes. I just got on my knees. And all I did was, because I didn't know if I was doing it right or wrong, all I did was just kept trying to think of, in my mind, things that I could worship Jesus and the Heavenly Father about, tell him how good he was. Sometimes I repeated things 30 times. Father, I just want to thank you. I want to give you praise. I want to give you glory. I pray in tongues, and I come back. I'm just worshiping you, Lord. And you feel stupid, you know, when you first do this for the first time. And time goes by, and I was doing that. I never forget this. After about an hour, hour and 15 minutes, I got up, and when I got up, there was a being there kneeling with me. I will never forget that. I don't even know what it was. I don't even know how to explain it. And I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit. I don't know. And when I left, I heard the being say, please come back. Because worship is something that God cannot do for himself. So, so when you begin to seek the Lord through the word and prayer and meditation and focusing in on heavenly things and worshiping God like this, you know, I mean, you begin to attract heaven and you start having experiences and the experiences blow your mind. And when the experiences blow your mind, you'll divorce anything in this planet. He'll offer you a billion dollars. You say, keep that chump change. I know some of you are like, well, let me let me just at least. I ain't there yet, Reverend. You will be. You realize if you were a billionaire, God still says you poor. You broke. Billionaire ain't nothing. Ain't nothing. Remember what God said? He said, really, if, if, if you are a real billionaire, God says you're still broke. He said, because the goal is for you to be able to lay up gold as dust. That's what it says in the Old Testament. It says God's will is for you to be able to lay up gold. What you mean lay up gold as dust? You know what I'm saying? The Bible says crazy stuff. You just read it. Hallelujah. Wait a minute. Lay up gold like dust. That's a lot of gold. Yeah, you would have so much that gold would be that insignificant. It would just be dust to you. I have no idea the level of prosperity is on the other side. Okay. So just remember that one of the reasons why they had me. I'll show this because, yeah, I'm good. We're almost done. One of the reasons they had me down front is um, Ben Hinn. You know, the, the, the more you start walking in dimension of things that are starting to happen to us, you start, crazy people start coming to the church. So they, 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 they showed me this picture of this lady. This is just a little comical story. And so in the briefing before this big meeting, they said, now look, we got to show you all certain pictures. Uh, this is the serial killer that's trying to kill Benny Hinn. So if you see him, you know, and, and these are the three that, that want to marry him. So if you see them, and I'm just like, what? And, and then they showed me the fourth one. And they said, now this one, you really got to watch out for her. And it was this white lady with beautiful gray long hair and a red dress. And they said, you will usually see her at the meetings. And when Benny Hinn gets started, they said she tries to sneak down front and run up on the stage and give Benny Hinn a hug. You know, I'm laughing, just playing this off. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, it's my first time. I'm down front, you know, and everything is going on. You know, can you feel somebody looking at you? You know, I happen to look over, she's looking at me just like this. <laughs> and I looked over, I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. There's the white lady with the beautiful gray hair and a red dress. And she looking at me smiling, trying to anticipate when she can scoop past me. And she actually tried it. Right when I wasn't paying attention. And one of the other security guys grabbed her right by her hair. He didn't mean to, but it happened that way. <laughs> oh, God. Thank you. CNN was not there that day. 
Yeah, some crazy stuff going on. All right. So, so those are the ways that you seek the Lord. You have to listen to it again to record all of that as you practice that. It says that's how you begin to dwell in the presence of the Lord continually. When I'm driving down the street, this stuff is so in me. I'm thinking about I study heaven so much. I'm always thinking. And because I'm always thinking, meditate means to chew over and over again. You ever see a, a, a cow? They, they grab a, a, a bunch of grass. And they, what do they do? They just, you just, you just say, dude, just swallow the grass. You know what I'm saying? No. He, the, 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 the cow is, is squeezing all of the nutrients out of it. And they just chew that thing. Chew, that's what meditating. It means to chew over a particular principle, a particular revelation. If you want to think about angels, you're just thinking about what do they have the ability to do. And so as you do this, you're in the presence of God continually. And the Lord will reveal things to you. All right. That's enough. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. I'll just read through these. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven not the things of earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. That's a deep statement when the Bible says that we have a joint inheritance with Jesus Christ. We don't know how much this man owns, y'all. We know the universe is expanding at the speed of light, but that's all we know. That's as far as we can see. These little stupid beer commercials got us in heaven you know, on a cloud playing a golden guitar with a frisbee running around your head. Man, ain't nobody trying to see all that. I'm sorry. This is what I think when I see the commercials. I know y'all are like, oh, hallelujah, I'm going to have a heavenly banjo. Man, I don't need no banjo. I want to know where my house is at. <laughs> okay, y'all, but here you go, Catholic moment, okay. Nothing wrong with the Catholic brothers, unless they're not saved. So the scripture says for us to seek on heavenly things. I'm going to close with a few statements to let you know about something that we're going to study just maybe for a couple of weeks. I don't know, because I got to my teaching changes. And I think you understand Luke eight, nine through 10. Jesus disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables to teach the others so that the scripture might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. Something is very important for all of you to realize. If you don't want to hear the truth, Jesus will make sure you don't get it. I do not like that principle. How many of you know it don't matter what I don't like? Disciples came to Jesus in another passage. They said, Lord, why do you keep confusing them like that? He said, simple. They close their eyes and ears and they close their hearts. So I'm just respecting their wishes by giving them what they don't want to hear. So I, so he said, with well, y'all, I speak plainly. He said, because you're allowed to know the secret things of heaven so that you can live like gods on the planet. But the folk that don't want to hear the truth, we make sure that we rearrange things in their life in such a way to confirm that God is not real. Well, I don't believe in God. So guess what? The evidence will keep coming to you that he does not exist. I don't believe in preachers. Well, the evidence will keep coming to you to respect what it is that you wish. You don't want to hear a preacher. So they will respect that. That's a very dangerous law. And the, the trip out thing is it'll even happen with your dreams. If you're like that, you'll start having dreams to confirm what you don't want to hear. 
And so this is the reason why, you know, when we're giving somebody a word, we're giving them a prophecy, we're telling them the Lord is going to make them a gazillionaire and advance them into another planet, you know, using a spaceship with tenant windows and all that. Oh, I receive it all. But the moment I tell them, hey, you just made a mistake. Just make the small adjustment. Oh, no, I can pray just like you. You know, and then God forbid we tell them. Um, uh, let me tell you how the Lord uses my wife and I. Any true pastor, the Lord would do this. And that is. If somebody gets off track and you tell them to get back on track, if they not only not only do they not get on track, but they then leave your church, um, then the Lord will then plague us with dreams to confirm that we were correct. Because he can't have us thinking that we were wrong and we told them the truth. OK. And so now if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. OK. Uh, Erica's husband. I was just thinking about that this morning. You know, we had a counseling session and him and I got into it. It was a small disagreement and it just went south. And so and so uh, it's the only counseling session where I got in the flesh. So we parted ways. And on the way home, that's the only time in my life that I thought God was going to kill me. He was that angry with me. I don't never want to feel that again. And so because of that, well, Lord, some of y'all were here. The Lord required me to pull him up. I remember I remember when he came to church the next time, which I was surprised he came. He was sitting over there, and when I said, hey, Thomas, I need you to come up for a second, it was a look on his face like, this brother done already embarrassed me privately. Now he's about to do it publicly? And I didn't embarrass him privately. We just, you know, he didn't see, see eye to eye or something. And so, but the Lord required me to, uh, because what happened could have opened up the door to send him down the wrong road. You know what I'm saying? See, this right here tests what you're going to do, whether you're doing it for yourself or you're doing it for the Lord. I mean, I mean, I don't, man, I was driving home. I'll never forget that, man. If, I mean, it literally felt like God had already released a lightning bolt. And it was just sitting there on top of my car to see what I was going to do. Now, he wasn't going to kill me, I don't think. <laughs> but, but that's how angry he was, is that you are more responsible to lose yourself that way. And that was the only time that I've ever done that in history. But it didn't matter. I was, you know, you, so, so the Lord required me to pull him up and apologize to him in front of the entire congregation. And then the word to him was, is that I made my servant repent to you and to the congregation to show you how valuable you are. He was crying everything. Hey, I don't even know why I shared this story. It was still good though, wasn't it? Hey, so, oh, so we're talking about you know, deception and, 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 and all that. So it's revealed unto you to know the secrets. Now, watch this. If you want to know why preachers lose their steam over time, it's over stuff like that. Had I not humbled myself and restored that, then guess what? Guess what? The Lord pulls back from me. Oh, see, you more interested in preaching than doing the right thing. You're more interested in making a name for yourself with my ministry than, yeah, thank you. Like my wife just said, resist the proud. See, now you didn't become prideful. You too good. You better than him. Y'all understand what I'm saying? This is how men lose stuff. The next thing you know, you know, they come up with something crazy. Well, the Lord told me to marry the secretary and leave my wife. No, the Lord didn't tell you that. And truth be told, the devil didn't tell you that neither. You came up with that stupid stuff. You're talking about the Lord and the devil. Ain't neither one of them. Maybe having a conversation. Did you tell him that? <laughs> the devil be like, God, did you tell him that? 
Oh, that sounds like one of your moves. I didn't tell him that. I ain't, I ain't tell that man that. He came up with that on his own. We come up with stuff and then blame it on God or the devil. No, that was you. Say amen. amen. Luke 12, 31 through 32. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Above all else. Above all else. And he will give you how much? Everything you need. So maybe sometimes we don't have. And when God says everything, he means everything. So maybe we don't have everything because we haven't met the qualification of seeking God above all else. Why well, spend time in the word? But you may not be spending quality time. Why well, pray? Yeah, you said a prayer on your knees before you left the house. And we're not saying that's wrong, but quality time, y'all, is quality time. You know what I'm saying? Watch this. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the entire kingdom. There is nothing that they will hold back from you now. It just depends on how hard you seek. And they can get, Kenneth Hagin said, the Lord pulled him into the spirit one time so deep, he asked the Lord, I need you to turn this off now because I'm scared. Because the things of the spiritual realm in heaven are, the things in, how can I put this? There is nothing in heaven that is scary, but it is so beautiful it's scary. The music sounds so good, it scares you. You understand what I'm saying? I got to stretch your imagination when it comes to this. That's why the Bible says when you go to heaven, you got to get a different body. Because you go up there with this one, just the light will destroy you. The Bible says the light in heaven is seven times greater than a noonday sun. When we leave church in a few minutes, you're going to step outside, look at that sun in the sky, and say heaven is seven times brighter than this? You couldn't withstand that with a human body. We can't even look in the sun. I told you, I'm thinking about staying home from the one race thing because the sun is too hot. That was a joke. I'm going to be there. You spend the first 12 to 16 years of your life simply preparing for the next 60. Think about that. And yet we don't think we're supposed to spend time with God to prepare for eternity. Think about that. 12 to 16 years, eight hours a day. I know y'all get a little break. Eight hours a day just to prepare for when you graduate from high school or college. Studying subjects day after day, sitting up there, talk, I mean, just subjects that you could care less about and everything. And, and, and we think that you're not supposed to prepare that way for eternity. Sadly mistaken. Matthew 18, 3-4. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone, becomes, anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. All right? It's 11 o'clock. Give me five to ten more minutes and I'll be done because this where I end is where we start. He said that if you don't humble yourself as a child, he said the person that humbles himself as a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So your humility in planet Earth will determine your standing in heaven forever. It is the least subject that's taught, but yet it is the most important. Rick Joyner said that when he was in heaven, he was caught up there. Before he was allowed to walk around, the angel told him, put this on. He said, y'all know what a potato sack looks like? He said, this was the most drab, ugly, raggedy looking thing. And he looking at everybody in heaven with all of these glorified bodies and people got diamonds built into their chest. And he said, clothes made out of gold and light. 
He said, man, this was amazing. And they said, yeah, but put this potato sack on. He was so embarrassed to wear that thing. But he said after he put it on, he said every place that he went, everybody would stop and bow to him. And they just bowed. And he said, he asked the angel, why is everybody bowing to me while I got this raggedy thing on? The angel told him, you see things as you are, not as they are. He said, you have on the mantle of humility. And anybody who wears that is a king up here. So, so, so what I have to do is, it's when we read the Bible, it's only half the understanding. It's as we, it's as there are people sitting right in here right now that have had visions of heaven. There are people that have been caught up to heaven. Lisa told you she'd been caught up to heaven and caught down to hell. There are men. We have to pull from their stories as well as our own experiences to get the other half, the completion of what the scripture is saying. Because here it said the person that carries himself like a child is the greatest. Not the person who got to church, not the person who pray, not your grandma who have coffee with Jesus every single morning. None of them. The person who carries themselves low is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I'll never forget this. He said that underneath this potato sack he had on his armor. And he said he just, even though everybody was bowing to him, he just got so embarrassed, embarrassed, embarrassed about this humility. How many of you know sometimes walking in humility feels like you're losing? And so he said when the angel wasn't looking, he said he, he pulled the thing back. And he said his armor, because it was made out of light, he said his armor, mind you, he's looking at himself. And his armor began to shine forth. And when he saw that beam come out like that, he's, I'm not wearing this thing no more. He said he threw the whole thing off. Watch this. He threw the whole thing off and, and the brightness from himself shined so bright, he went completely blind and couldn't see. See, this is what we're getting over to is merging the reality of heaven with the reality of earth to cause you to shift. You know what I'm saying? That's what I saw. Oh, we're going somewhere real fast, but it's going to take a lifetime to get there. And, and so he said, help, help, help. I'm blind. The angel said, put the cloak back on. So he said he put the thing back on and he said when he put the thing back on, he said that, um, of course, the light no longer shine. But you know how you if you walk from outside in the brightness and you walk in the room, you can't see. Yeah. He said even though he had the cloak back on, he said it took a while for his eyesight to come back. Yeah. And the angel explained to him, he said, yeah, he said, when you look at yourself, you always in pride. Even when you look at yourself and what you can't do is pride. Because the Bible says you can do all things through Christ. So when you say you can't do something, that's pride because you're looking at yourself. You're looking at what you can do and you're looking at what you can't do. Instead of walking in humility and realize you couldn't breathe if it wasn't for Jesus. And so he said, he said, why didn't my eyesight come back immediately? He said, because when you get over in the pride, it takes a while for you to come back to humility. Because you saw yourself. So that's caught up in, oh, we, oh, I'm t oh, y'all, we, oh, y'all ain't seen nothing yet, y'all. We going someplace for real. They're going to be stacked up in here. We're going to have to have 10 locations at the same time. Because the truth be told, the whole planet has been working on this type of stuff. This is what Jesus taught. Hallelujah. This stuff. The lesson for today is five steps on how to have a good life. Anybody trying to hear that mess? Jesus didn't preach no five steps on nothing, did he? He said, do this and this will happen. Do this and that will happen.
Matthew 8, 11, 28 through 30. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. So if things are heavy in your life, it's obviously you're not doing it the Jesus way. I was taught that when you follow Jesus, stuff got to be hard. But that ain't what Jesus said. He said, you follow me, stuff is supposed to be easy. Y'all reading the same Bible as me? And then listen to what he said. He didn't say follow me because I'm the son of God. He didn't say follow me because I'm perfect. He didn't say follow me because I can raise people from the dead. He said follow me because I'm what? Meek and lowly of heart. That's what makes me a king in heaven. The very God that you serve is a humble God. God is so humble that in the Old Testament, when Moses put God in check, God listened and it said he repented of the thing he was going to do. A couple more. Come on, man. Hold on, y'all. I sat up here and got excited and can't even. <laughs> Psalm 138, verse 6. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from prideful people. See, in order for you to be able to, y'all, eternity is forever. And the crazy thing is, is that whatever level of humility or pride you go in, you stay there forever. Nothing can change. Nothing. Psalm 25, 8 through 9. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. Always remember this. God does not lead people who are on the wrong path. God, there's only one way God will lead you if you're on the wrong path, and that is back to the right path. If you get on your own road to do your own thing, God stops leading you. He stops. They don't give you instructions on the wrong path except for how to get back on the right path. Then they start giving you more instructions on how to prosper. But if you go on the wrong path, why is the Lord going to keep giving you instructions for prosperity and you're on the wrong path? Numbers 12, 1 through 8. Second to the last one. While they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aram criticized Modus because he had married a Cushite woman. They upset because of a multicultural marriage. That ain't changed either. They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard them. Now, Moses was very humble, more humble than any person on planet Earth. How many know when God says you're the most humble person on planet Earth, you must be doing something. So immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam and said, come out to the tabernacle, all three of y'all. So the three of them went to the tabernacle. Then the Lord descended in the pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called, and they stepped forward. They thought they was about to get a prophetical exaltation. <laughs> Might have thought the Lord was saying, you are, I'm going to replace uh, uh, you. Or replace Moses with y'all. And the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, will reveal myself in visions. I will speak to them in dreams. But not so with my servant Moses. All of my house, of all of my house, he is the one that I trust. It's an issue with God. Not how many mistakes you make, but can he trust you? The Lord already told me I was going to make it to the end. 
because of one. Let me tell you something. I know, I know where I am. Before I opened this church, the Lord, here's a humility thing again. The Lord came to me and said, this is exactly what he said. The, the video I showed you at IHOP, I was at IHOP praying. And the Lord said, before you open this church, you're going to do one thing. He said, you're going to humble yourself and you're going to write your father a letter telling him and apologizing that you judged him incorrectly. That's what the Lord made me do. Okay. And he had done some things, I didn't, nothing crazy, but he didn't support me with ministry, so I was offended and different things like that. And, and the Lord told me, yeah, but you still viewed it wrong. Regardless of what he did, you viewed it wrong. So I had to write my father a letter concerning me apologizing and thanking him for my upbringing, et cetera, et cetera. And then my dad told me that's the last thing I was waiting before I died. Wow. Yeah, he died, I don't know, two, three years later or something like that. And so... Um, was it a couple years later he passed? I can't remember. Yeah, that happened when we first moved down here. And, uh, and then when I wrote the letter, I cannot explain what happened, but what happened, the Lord told me, you'll make it to the end just off of that because you humbled yourself. That's why he trusts me. I still do stupid stuff too, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I had to repent in front of the man. You know, I'm just saying, you know, God, God trusts your ability though to get things right. It's not will you, will you make mistakes or not. It's will you humble yourself when I bring the, a mistake to your attention. Okay. It's not possible to live for God without making mistakes constantly. Okay. He said, I will speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? Okay, so your humility will determine how God deals with you. Moses was extremely meek. Bible says he was the meekest man in the entire world. And so as a result of that, God dealt with him as though he was in heaven and talked to him face to face. So a lot of times people can't hear from God because on the, one of the things that my wife have learned is people can seem like they're doing stuff on the outside. It was just somebody here recently. We've been ministering to this lady and everything. She does not go to this church, so you don't got to be, oh, is it me? Oh. Ministering to this lady and everything. And then come to, and, and something just happened that revealed to us, this lady is crazy. God sees the heart, not you walking around. Hi, I'm super saint. I just flow in the peace and stop. People to talk like that, crazy, run. I'm just letting you know. I'm just, y'all, I don't make this stuff up. You remember what Jesus said? I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done. It's 11, 12. I'm going to be stunned at 11, 15. Y'all remember what Jesus said? He said it was two guys at the temple. And he said one guy was standing in front of the temple saying, Lord, I'm not like that sinner back there. I tithe. I do this. I live righteous, I pray three times a week, and I do all of that type of stuff. And Jesus said, while he was doing that, he said the sinner was in the back. And this is what he said, Lord, I'm not even worthy to be in here. I'm just asking you to forgive me of my sins. And remember what Jesus said? The sinner went home justified while the dude up front still had his sin. Remember what Jesus said? He said, the fact that you say you have no sin proves you got them all. I don't care nothing about our, you know what I'm saying? Oh, Lord. I'm sorry. You just, I'm, I'm done. So your humility determines how God deals with you. You know, and unfortunately, that's something that my wife and I have to deal with is that we're always dealing with people who think they can do a better job running the church than we can. I'd be like, look, if the Lord would let me, I would let you do it. 
we make this look easy. And it fairly is only because we're in the will of God. But trust me, you come up, you, when I say up here, you can step into this role if you want to, you'll be dead in two weeks. Some of the stuff that we deal with, we're not, even, we're not talking about preaching, preparation. We're not talking about talking to people and counseling the people. Just the generals who show up from hell in my living room sometime. One showed up with a helmet with ox horns on it. I had to say, I'm supposed to be intimidated of you? Folk can't deal with that type of stuff. You see one devil, you run. Not me. Smith Wigglesworth said he woke up in the middle of the night, said the devil was standing at his bed. He said, oh, it's just you, and went right back to sleep. It's always worth repeating. Oh, you the post said, him and his group, they went and stayed in a hotel. Some of you heard this before. He stayed in a hotel, and, and this, you know, it's coming over here now, but over here, overseas, that's, this is off the chain. And they said he, he said he opened up that hotel, dude, uh, the hotel room, and he said it's a figure standing there with, a, with no face, all black on, with a black hood. And he said, when they opened the door, the figure was looking at him just like this when he opened up the door. You imagine walking in your hotel room and you see that? You'd be going right back downstairs. Hey, man, I don't even need a refund, dog. I'm out. Okay. Matter of fact, I'm sleeping in my car tonight. Is this? Okay. You imagine walking in your room? And he said, he said, he said, he opened up the room. And that thing was looking at them. See, they know where you're going. Okay. Folk like us, they see our power. So they coming. To try to intimidate. You can't intimidate this. Hallelujah. Hey, open up that room, said that thing was looking at him. And it says that when it looked, it said the thing spun around like this several times, like a tornado. And when he spun around, he ended on the outside of the window and turned into a bird, big black bird. And then the bird, he said the bird screamed at him, ah! and then it flew off. A Eutypos said, to show you how powerful we are, we're not even praying about this. Just get in the bed and go to sleep. Because if Satan could have killed you, you'd be dead already. Last scripture and then we pray. James 3.13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Okay? Wisdom comes from God, humility comes from wisdom, and promotion comes from humility. That's why the Bible says, I will debase prideful folk and I will uplift those that are humble. But in order to truly stand, understand humility, guess what? We're going to have to figure out what's in heaven. Because the Bible says, the person that is the most humble is the greatest up there. So we need to have some conversations with the folk up there to kind of figure out how to do this correctly, which y'all agree. Okay, so like those stories I just shared with you about Rick Joyner, I have some stories myself. I'll constantly be sharing these stories and it'll make the scriptures come alive, you know, because I'm done with the whole church thing, y'all. I'm trying to live my life in every such a way. When I stand before the Lord, when I, y'all, the Lord just revealed to me something, just revealed to me something Thursday. You've heard me say that heaven's, heaven is in levels. Yeah, I just found out how many? Three. Yep. I'm just giving y'all a little hint where we go in the future. It's three levels in heaven. Now, there are sub-levels. It's three levels in heaven. Three. One level is for folk who live in the flesh as Christians. If you live your life as a Christian, but you live in the flesh. In other words, you just stay living in sin. You just barely make it into the kingdom. 
by your chinny chin chin, your fingernail just going to make it in before the door closed. Hold that door open, Jesus. I'm coming in. You accepted the Lord for your salvation, but you didn't live right. You just lived in the flesh all of the time. You know, you didn't see it necessary to come to church or spend time in the world. You live life in the flesh. That's that's the first level. The second level is for people that they lived right, but they lived more from their intellect and didn't live in the spirit. Okay, they live from their soul. Feelings all the time. I don't feel like doing this and I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel. Okay, that's the second level. And the third level is for folk who they live their Christian life fully in faith in the spirit. Okay, those are the three levels. You like to see it another way? Some of y'all know about the tabernacle. Why do you think he told Moses, make sure you build it exactly to the pattern in heaven? Tabernacle had the outer court, which was the flesh. Then you had the inner court, which was the soul. Then you had the holy of holies, which is the spirit. Okay, physical body is the flesh. Your mind, will, and emotion is the soul. The real you is the spirit. That's why the Bible says 30-fold, some people in the flesh. 60-fold, some people in the intellect. Hundredfold, those that are like God. Says it another way. Oh, I told you. Y'all think I'm playing. I mean, I'm, I'm in another zone right now. If you're a first-time visitor, hold on. We'll be done in a second. You're like, oh, no, we're not about to be done with this. Scripture says it another way. That which is acceptable. Okay? So you, you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm talking on multiple levels here. You accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you lived in the flesh. So, so you lived in the flesh, but because you accepted Jesus, they will accept you into heaven. So, so it's the, you're acceptable. That's the acceptable will of God. It talks about the, that which is good, that which is perfect, that which is acceptable. So good, yeah, well, you didn't live in the flesh, so that's good. You know, but you really didn't live in the spirit where you trusted God fully and ignored what you saw. And then you have that which is good, that which is acceptable. And the last one is what? Perfect. Those are the ones who had tried to live their life the way Jesus walked on planet Earth. So you see the three levels in heaven and see them, how everything in planet Earth is mimicking what's up there. Oh, it's deep. That's how we teach 100 percent now to help you understand what is up there. So now, oh, Jesus, we got to go study the Bible all over again. <laughs> See what I'm saying? <laughs> Kimberly, Kimberly, like, I don't know if I want to run, throw my phone at him or throw up. I don't know what I want to do. She's just looking like, oh, this is, ooh. So we're tapping into it. Okay, so, so, but see, now you understand why God said, when you give your life to Christ, seek those things that are above. So we can reveal to you what is up here. And then you will understand better what is down there so that you can adjust and behave accordingly. Go ahead and stand. Thank you, O Lord.